Welcome to Extra Musical, the podcast where we delve into the lives, thoughts, creative process, and hobbies of musicians and other creative artists. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit www.hiddencinemarecords.com slash podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast and everything else going on at HCR, become a patron at www.patreon.com slash hiddencinemarecords. Today, we're joined by Grammy-nominated composer, conductor, and band leader Miho Hazama. She's one of the most promising and talented composers slash arrangers of her generation and has been lauded in downbeat as one of 25 for the future. She's developed her own signature jazz chamber orchestra, M-Unit, and is also the chief conductor of the Danish radio big band and one of the guest conductors for the Metropole Orchestra in the Netherlands. Besides these ensembles, Mio has worked as a conductor with the WDR big band, Classy Jazz Orchestra, and Bohemian Caverns Jazz Orchestra, to name a few. Let's get to the interview. Hi, Extra Musical listeners. Uh, if you hear some extra, like, giddiness or excitement in my voice, it's because I am currently interviewing one of my compositional heroes. Uh, her name is Miho Hazama, and welcome to the show, Miho. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, for the people that don't know you or your music, uh, the question I always ask is, what's your story? Like, who are you? What do you do? Where are you based? And where are you from? Sure. I'm a jazz composer based in New York City, and I'm originally from Japan, and it's been 13 years since I came to New York City. Oh, man. So uh, it's not, that seems like a long time and not that long at the same time. Right. That's exactly what I feel now. (laughs) And um, I'm a big fan of your music, uh, your work with your chamber ensemble, but also your work with uh, a radio big band. You work with a radio big band, right? Right. So, yeah, I have my chamber, jazz chamber orchestra in New York City, which is named uh, M Unit. It's like a Miho unit, M Unit. And uh, I am a chief conductor of the Danish Radio Big Band in Denmark since 2019. Also, I'm one of the uh, guest permanent conductors of uh, Metropole Orchestra in the Netherlands. Man, like so many great ensembles but like so so different right because you have the, right. the chamber the chamber jazz which has strings in it but then you have the metropole orchestra which has tons of strings in it right and then uh the big band big which band. has none <laughs> right exactly yeah that's true. <laughs> so with all that and i think a radio show that you also host still back in japan is that still on your roster it's actually happening weekly from April. So, <laughs> so uh, you listening to a lot listen, more. <laughs> this listen, this episode is dropping in the end of April. So while you're listening to this, she is like looking at that upcoming. So, oh my gosh, that's like a busy calendar. What is what is a? There's not a typical day, but what does a typical day try and look like for you? Um, like a day routine, you mean? Yeah, I guess. What is a routine day? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, this is a life. Maybe you know it, Stephen, but um, uh, this is a life of the uh, writer where you wake up at, I mean, when you can, <laughs> that you write when you can, and then you eat when you can. That's kind <laughs> of my life. So, um, yeah, I wake up and then I have a breakfast and then try to nail emails first because I hate that so much. <laughs> and then I uh, have some, you know, morning routines, maybe workout or like a laundry or something like that. And then I have a lunch. And then finally I go to piano or like a computer to write music. That's kind of my routine of a writing day. But if I were to work outside of my uh, my room, that's usually, you know, I have a breakfast and go to a rehearsal with radio big bands or, you know, orchestras, come back and then take a nap and then try to write a, continue writing somehow. But it's really tough to take a balance of writing and directing something because the aspect of um, spending time as a director and... Uh, versus, you know, writer is very different. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm still struggling with that. But that's kind of basically my my life right now. Well, I mean, you're, you seem like you're doing very well with it, but I understand, like, the the inward struggle where it's like, I might be producing stuff, but that doesn't mean it's not hard. Right, right, exactly. Well, like, you know, well, if you are rehearsing with people, you have to be very social 
and open to everyone. Now, if you're producing something or writing something, especially like writing is such an individual work that you have to be basically stuck in a room by yourself, nobody else, and、uh, keep composing or writing arrangements, which is very different. <laughs> so I'm kind of struggling still to, to find a balance with it. But yeah, that's, that's、uh, my life right now. Oh, I wonder if it's like a, if an introverted slash extroverted or an ambiverted person、um, would enjoy one thing more than the other, but like still struggle with the other one. I know I feel like an extroverted person, but I、yeah. actually prefer being by myself. So,、right. like, when, when the writing thing happens, I'm like, ah, and when there's tons of people, I just feel like I get lost in the sauce. You know,、right. like. You know, it's funny that you say that.、Um, it's funny that you say that because、uh, I really like spending time by myself too. I need a time to be alone. At the same time, I love being in ensemble. So、mm-hmm. um, I feel like I do have a two aspects of my you know, personality. And then, but then I really, really needed to be alone at some point in the day. So that tells you that I'm actually a writer. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting.、Um, so, your creative process, it seems like,、uh, centers a lot around writing, where you like, are making time to write almost, almost daily. Do you like, like、mm-hmm. have a set time? You said the morning, or like, if you can, the morning and then、uh, the afternoon.、Uh, right. Do you have any like, types of processes that you go about when you start writing that you、uh, like to talk about? Or is that like, a, oh, it, it, it happens? <laughs> Yeah, well, for arrangements, that's、um, actually a matter of time. So I go to computer and the MIDI keyboard right away. For compositions,、um, that's maybe、uh, more tough and、uh, more difficult to work on because you have to create something from zero. So、yeah. I usually sketch a lot. I spend a lot of time just thinking about it, and、uh, I sketch a lot. On a piano,、um, because piano is the only instrument that I can basically play, <laughs> and、uh, try to get their musical ideas, phrase, motifs.、Uh, also, I write down forms or ideas if, if, if necessary. So、um, that takes much longer than actual writing time to me. And then、uh, to do those sketches and,、uh, you know,、um, Thinking about ideas, I really need an acoustic piano because、oh. I need to hear overtones. And、uh, to me, acoustic piano is、uh, imaginary orchestra because you, know, you can play so, so wide, very wide range, first of all, by yourself. And、uh, you can hear overtones, which is very inspiring to me. And then I can. You know, always convert the piano sound to my brain to sound like orchestra or instrumentation that I'm writing for. So it's very important to have an acoustic piano for me for compositions. But then、um, that's something that I can't plan, I can't predict、yeah. anything. So if something comes up, something comes up. If nothing comes up, I basically waste a day or like, you know, <laughs> half a day. But that's kind of my life as well. You know, if, if nothing works on and it's just nothing comes up a day. So, yeah, we, we only wish that like every time we sat down, we were struck with this like divine inspiration that everything just like started flowing. Yeah, there are like, you know, some biographies from,、um, you know,、uh, classical com- composers that、uh, he wakes up at. Five in the morning, and then by 2 p.m., they just、uh, stop working because, like, that's the、uh, time zone that、uh, they can work, something like that. And then they work it every day, which I wish I could do that too. <laughs> that never happens to me in my life. And then I don't think that's going to happen to me <laughs> either. You're, you're not a 5 a.m. person? I'm a night owl, I think. Oh, okay. I'm not.、Yeah. I, I fall asleep like very regularly. My entire friend group or family and family、mm. have like pictures of me asleep on couches. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the, I guess we're the opposite. I prefer, You're an early bird. Yeah. I'm an early person,、uh, but、right. I prefer writing at night. 
So it's oh really yeah well so I'm uh, uh, during the day I'm a teacher so like right. I can't I've never been able to write during the day other than um, like that's summers true. so I but like then, but then like you teach that's a lot of energy going out for other people yeah. now how do you switch yourself to writing mode in the day uh well like writing mode in the day during the summers uh I play games. Yeah, okay. like try and like make games. I do a lot of uh, singing to myself during the day and like Ooh. voice memos and stuff. I remember I read something by John Beasley. Uh-huh. And he was like, do you ever just use your voice memos? And I was like, why don't I do that? So I started yeah. doing that. And that's where um, I got a lot of my singable melodies from. But my more, um, my more, uh, what are they called? Like matrix melodies are like, Nice. I have these musical die. I don't even know where they are, but I have these die that uh-huh. are like twelve sided, but they have just chromatic scales uh-huh. on them, and sure. you can like throw them for pitch classes, and that's a fun <laughs> thing to do. But right. like, really, I try and like make it fun for yeah. myself when I'm in the sketching mode, especially. And right. then other than that, you know, deadlines, <laughs> deadlines yeah. are a real big motivator. Wow, but that's yeah, you know, that's what I'm struggling to like, you know, teaching or directing. Versus writing, I can't switch right away. So I'm I'm really impressed that you can do that, Bob. Well, do you ever go into like periods? I have periods of time where like I am, I'm more so like directing and playing than Mm -hmm. I am writing. So like where you you said you like try and write every day. There there are like periods of time where I won't write for like several weeks, and then like I'm writing like crazy. Right, right, right. I think, you know, that's actually a better solution for me so that mm. I'm actually back in New York City right now um, a couple of days ago. Um, and uh, t- until then, I was in Europe working with orchestras. So that's the hardest time to switch things around because uh, one, I'm jet lagged, and two, I'm directing, and then three, I have to switch things around with the, uh, some other administration things with emails and all that and it's just uh really tough so it's good that i'm back here now this week and uh, it's been great to just uh, focus on the uh, writing yeah but yeah, i like, really need a time frame like that it's That's, like a palate cleanser to be back into the writing mode almost yeah you yeah. know it also takes time to switch to the uh, complete you know writing mode to me but yeah yeah i don't disagree i mean like it's it's almost like you're you're right. You're doing something else. You're doing something. Doing something else, and you have to get used to writing, especially for that amount of time. If right. you're like going really intensive, because like you weren't doing that before, right. it's almost like getting used to running a marathon. You know, yeah. like you can't just get up and run 26 miles. That's so true. That's so true. That makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I am glad to comfort you in this time, Mio. Um, so, uh, is, in your opinion, what's like uh, so, uh, an important personality trait that someone needs to do what you do? Like, you you have so many hats that you wear as a composer, right. as a arranger, as a conductor, as a band leader and producer, as a radio host, as a teacher, wan, on and on and on. What's uh, like a... Uh, a quality that someone needs to do what you do? Um, I, I think I would say my personality is like a chameleon in mm-hmm. a good way. Um, that means that I can adjust my personalities to occasions. And uh, I'm originally from Japan. And uh, in Japan, this personality thing is a big deal. If you can read between lines, or like if you can read what the other people are thinking. So I grew up with that kind of mindset where you have to take care of other people to make them feel better or to make them feel comfortable. Um, So I think (laughs) it's really funny that I like sitting in airports and then not knowing what what the, uh, you know, what languages they talk, but then to observe what they are actually working on or what they are talking about. Sometimes people go really, really harsh, that people look really harsh, and then in one second, they kiss. I'm like, what (laughs) is that? Well, I thought that they're fighting and that they kiss. 
so you know that kind of things like you observe so many things and then try to read um you know minds of people that's actually working really well with my occupation right now so that whenever i'm in new york city i have to be clear with my answer which is yes or no right away ah <laughs> uh, cuz do you feel like other people aren't as used to reading between the lines um i think you know it's easier for me to communicate with them with that and then especially the speed of getting a result or like solutions in new york city is so fast to me that I, I just need to make a decision in 2 seconds to say yes oh, man. or no yeah so it, that's not necessarily yeah. i definitely have heard like at least europe versus yeah. um versus the us so that's yeah. not like a uh, japanese thing to be like yes right away not at all so oh, if gosh. i were to do that in japan <laughs> i think people would think I am so rude. Yeah. Oh, right. that, yep, that makes sense. So I have to be extra polite for them. I'm not sure I'm doing that well <laughs> by now after, you know, 13 years of living in New York City. Maybe I'm still too aggressive. But I try to be a little nicer and more polite to Japanese people. Now, in Europe, especially Denmark um, and the Netherlands, you know, those two countries that I work a lot with, um, I um, I think it's more of the speed of uh, making a decision. That's much slower in there. Mm. So we need a more uh, conversations, uh, discussions, and they really enjoy that process. And then they need those process. So I do have an initiative to say, hey, why don't we do this? But then I can't really, you know, demand things right away. Hey, we have to do this. Like, let's do this. I can't do that. So um, I try to be more, um, you know, to give more suggestions, not the orders. I think that's what I tried to do in Europe. And then also, it was really funny that I spent the uh, two months in New York City before I went to uh, Europe this time. And then when I got to the airport in Denmark, I felt that everyone walks so slow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Everyone is like a turtles. <laughs> and I realized that, oh no, I spent two months straight in New York City. That's not good. Too much time in New York makes you like need to expedite the walking process. Yeah. It's like yeah. walking speed is like a cockroaches in New York City and <laughs> more of the human beings in you know other countries I, I have the, to remember that the first time I went to New York City and someone like walked up an escalator I was so yeah. confused because I've never like I'm from Pennsylvania like a state over and we're like we're still not as relaxed as Europeans but like we're not gonna walk up an escalator it's already going right, right. So the first time right. I saw that I was like oh my gosh they really are in a hurry over here yeah yeah and then very intense I mean I'm not sure if they're even in a hurry or not they're just so intense <laughs> they might not be in a hurry that's just how they walk exactly. like something to do <laughs> yeah so uh, um yeah it's you know those observations are very important to me so, so that like yeah. observational and like a chameleon because especially if they want to work in multiple countries yeah. with multiple different cultures that's like yeah, a, yeah that's very I, nothing i've never even thought about uh, like i've just be me right and then right. i wouldn't want to be off-putting but something that i don't think is off-putting could be completely off-putting if i don't right. well, read between the lines yeah well like you know i i am myself of course i don't yeah, change right. that part of myself but then i still need to respect those differences Nothing is better or worse. I mean, right. it's just a different, and yeah. that's fine. You know, I just need to adjust myself. So. That's I've never thought. I haven't been outside of the Americas yet, yeah. so I have not really thought about that. I mean, when you go uh, to like Central America or South America, it is still slower, and they're like, right. yeah, relax, yeah. Yeah, you're on vacation, yeah. but like. Yeah, I, I still I still want to go experience that in other places. So hopefully one day I'll make it out to Japan or Denmark or the Netherlands and experience these different like slowdowns. Yeah. yeah, it's fun.
there anything um oh what's one thing about like your artistic life that you didn't expect so with with you moving i think you went to what, msm for mm-hmm. school yeah so for after, my master's degree what did you did you do your undergrad in tokyo yeah Oh, okay. Uh, so when you moved over to the U.S. and you were mm-hmm. like, this is what I want to do, what's one thing that you didn't expect to happen like 13 years later? Um, well, I mean, when I came to New York City for the first time, I was even not sure if I would be a jazz musician. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first, the first thing that I never would have thought about before coming to New York City because my focus in the music education was classical music for a long time. Mm. I studied a classical piano in a middle high school. I studied a classical composition in a high school and a college back in oh, Tokyo. Oh, okay. So my focus has been classical music for a long, long time. And uh, I just happened to be in a college big band in Tokyo where I discovered music by Maria Schneider, Jim McNeely, Vince Mendoza, and I wanted to study with them. And uh, instead of, you know, writing uh, music on a computer for film or commercials, I wanted to create something that Maria, Vince, Jim McNeely, you know, Michael Holliber do. Yeah. And um, I took auditions of the uh, schools that they teach, and uh, I got MSM. So that happens to be just MSM and a New York City, but I wanted to study with Jim McNeely. So, yeah, that was the um, the first thing that, uh, you know, that brought me to New York City. And uh, I had no idea what I was going to do afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to meet him. And then also being a conductor or like a director of something, that's something that I never thought at the time either. Even like until seven years before, I mean, ago, I didn't think about that. I was not sure. So it's kind of surprising to me that I'm working as a director of orchestras, which is really amazing. And also working with the symphonic orchestras. That's also Mm. something that I wanted to do that for a long time. That's like my life goal. And, uh, yeah, I didn't expect that to happen really sooner than later. So I'm really grateful that um, I have this opportunity to work with symphonic orchestras. Yeah, I mean, like, really, a metropole orchestra is kind of like, it's not one of a kind exactly, but it really is a very niche orchestra. Well, Um, that's basically only one professional jazz fairharmonic orchestra in the world. Oh, it is one of a kind. I, I, I'm thinking there's just so many orchestras that do pops, but it's right. not the, that's not the only thing that they do. So exactly. Metropole Orchestra is the only thing they do. Correct. And then also they do have a big band yeah. section with as well as the symphonic part. So that's a big, big, big orchestra. <laughs> yeah, big. So like uh, I when I see or hear things that have been produced uh, for them so like compositions that uh people have written for them or just things that they've premiered i'm always just like in awe because like to Mm -hmm. me that's that's the height so it's just really exciting to sit down with one of the people that's working with that right now Um, and and that like the radio big band part of europe is just like so under no it's it's rated it's not even underrated it's rated they're exactly where it is really great (laughs) because there's like stuff like the 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 danish radio big band and then the german big bands like vdr big band i'm always just like in awe that those things exist because even though it's an american art form of jazz yeah you don't have that it's crazy yeah it's crazy to me yeah it's too bad that uh you know that part of the uh, jazz history is gone in this country yeah um, and then it's kind of interesting to see that, that uh, you know, European countries were the one who uh, invited very famous jazz musicians from the U.S., but that they needed a budget, certain budget for, you know, travels and hotels. So they needed to have a bigger concerts in a bigger halls. And then they started having those orchestras so that, that they can invite more people more audiences and then build audience base over there and then invite guest artists from like you know from the u.s and then that became to be one of the formats of jazz or like a new art in europe 
which is quite amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, like, it's great that what originally, I guess, started as a business decision to, like, house the Radio Big Band and, like, is now what it is. Because, yeah. I mean, there's so much music that comes out of both the the Metropole Orchestra and the Radio Big Bands, including your original music, which uh, the, your last album with Edition Records, I really, really loved. So Thank it's you. just, oh, yeah, of course. It's it's. It's awesome that that exists, and yeah. I, I hope one day I get to experience it live because, man. Right. But also, you know, at the same time, I'm telling you that the, um, like, absolute classical symphony orchestras, they are amazing. You know, they they are a group of amazing musicians and such a well-trained musicians as well because yeah. they practice a lot. And then they train a lot. Their tone colors are amazing. They just don't know the access to the uh, crossover music. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them are just uh, stuck in the mind to close the door to other side of music from their territories. But as long as I just see you know, opened up them to say, hey, you know, this is kind of the modern jazz music. Not only, you know, jazz is not a only uh, Rhapsody in Blue, but these are more like a recent jazz music that you could play. Then they can play really well, too. Yeah, I wonder how many, uh, like, traditionally classical musicians do still only think of, like, when they think of symphonic jazz music, still only think of Gershwin, where, where there's, like, all these people who have been writing these wonderful compositions for, yeah. for orchestras like the Metropole Orchestra or even, like, pop orchestras who invite in people that are like okay i'm writing this suite for that but it's not for like to be played all the time right well like uh, people want to categorize the things and uh, if you say out of classical then that's a pop orchestra yeah which well yeah i don't know what pop means to be <laughs> honest with you but yeah it sounds a little more catchy than the atonal music what you you know per se but there is a new art going on besides Gershwin and Bernstein after 100 years of right. Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah. And uh, we do have really great heritage and the music and then composers going on here. And, you know, for me, my role is to introduce those kind of music out to classical musicians or like classical orchestras as well. So that they think that, uh, oh, you know, this is actually doable for us. And then it sounds quite new or like a fun to work on, that kind of thing. So yeah. my, yeah, it's also kind of the uh, my responsibility to open it up that kind of bridge or like, you know, connect to that bridge. Um, and then I really like working with the classical musicians. So, yeah, I hope that uh, people are more uh, aware of that, too. Well, I'm hoping, uh, well, I don't know if, oh, you didn't pause. <laughs> I'm hoping that that also, like, happens with the bridging of the gap because it just creates more opportunities for more musicians to play more music. Like, right. I, if, once we pigeonhole ourselves into a complete niche, uh, then we only have a finite amount of things that we can play, a mm-hmm. finite amount of spaces that we can play. I mean, more ensembles like the M-Unit or the M-Unit, M-Unit and Metropole Orchestra and yeah. more crossover things like uh, Ravinia has like a Bridges competition where they're like commissioning mm-hmm. pieces that are yeah. like string quartet and uh, trio and yeah, more, more ensembles like that and more opportunities to play things like that without yeah. a giant label or without mislabeling and misnomer uh, misnomer create more opportunities yeah i think you know the uh, the path is going into the right way because now tara stafford had the first opera at met winter marsalis has been you know writing a lot for new york phil you know those opportunities are amazing to see and that's really you know encouraging and then uh motivating for for me as the uh, next generation of jazz writers. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully it just keeps going in yeah. that uh, uh, in that uh, fashion. Yeah.
is there anything that outside of music? Because we we know about like your career as a uh, leader with the M unit, as a conductor with Metropole Orchestra and the Danish Radio Big Band. But outside of music, like you're so busy, how do you like keep saying? How do you like make yourself not extra musical, but like how do you like keep yourself a person? Yeah, um, I like. <laughs> This is this sounds stupid, but I like the uh, fundamental part of the uh, human being's life, which is eating, drinking, <laughs> and uh, sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that sounds stupid at all. I also enjoy eating and drinking. Yeah, it's yeah. great. <laughs> so, um, you know, cooking is something that I can get out of my writing mode to enjoy. Um, and then also, this is, you know, my cook cooking is not something that i can treat people <laughs> but uh i uh, i uh, i like to like cook something that i want to eat right mm-hmm. away and um yeah i'm just not good at waiting too much either so <laughs> i'm a really quick cooker i would say but uh, um, I really enjoy that moment. And also sleeping, I love it. So yeah, You said you take yeah. a nap in the middle of the day. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I do that. And that's the best way for me to reset uh, in the middle of the day. If I were to work on the uh, like more active things in the morning, especially for directing or like, you know, um, uh, conducting thing, then I come back to take a nap so that I can refresh myself, reset my day. And then when I wake up from nap, it's like a new day. <laughs> yeah, you, it's like you literally have two days. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to divide a day into two two days, actually. And then that works. So um, I've never thought about it like that. Yeah, I really enjoy that way, to be honest with you. And uh, drinking, I love it. And then tasting, you know, a good meal, I love it. And oh. uh, um, also, uh, also... You said that you like playing games. I like watching games. <laughs> I like watching people playing games, or like I like watching sports games. When you say watching people play games, do you mean like people like streaming video games? Like yeah. So oh. so you know, but then this is very uh, specific game that I really like to watch. Uh, this is uh, called Werewolf Game. Have you heard of that? No. So this is um, probably could, could call like a mafia as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I there do are like a thirteen people get together, and then try to find a two werewolf or like yeah. a mafia in the group or two or three. I don't know, but that's kind of talking game that you know you have to get thirteen experts on that game, and then it's actually not a video game. It's actually yeah, it's a getting together. Game. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so I really, really like watching those games and then just, you know, to uh, think as a, one of the detectives or something like that, in the, you know, as a part of the game. Also, in a shorter version, there is a video game named Among Us. Among Us, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a very similar game as well. And uh, there are so many experts out there who you know, stream those playing games. And then I really like watching them too. (laughs) I've only played Among Us like once and I didn't understand what was going on. So I've never played it again. Yeah. Well, Uh, the thing is that I don't play. You just like watching. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, I love watching those experts do. I, I could be expert if I were to play, but then it's just so amazing to observe people doing really like clever decisions and the smart moves in okay that really amazes me so um yeah i like it a lot and uh sports games um that's you know that's also something that uh it's very far away from my music career because in music there's no winner and the loser yeah but in sports games you can actually decide a winner or loser within the two hours or three hours, which is amazing. <laughs> to that me. happens so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like watching sports games that takes me to another, you know, world, which is such a huge escape from my reality. Yeah. 
So when you uh, are, which sport like would you go to most often? Are you like a baseball person, a hockey person, basketball person, football person? <laughs> I think in the U.S., my favorite would be baseball. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, that's the, that out of all of those, that's what I've seen the most of. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually have never been to any other games of the uh, basketball. Ho- uh, basketball, no. And uh, American football either. I've been to one hockey game and then a lot of Yankees games. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I can still you know understand how to watch basketball games as well as the American football games. But uh, still, I really liked going to Yankee Stadium, and then that was a you know huge escape for for me from re- reality. I would say. So, thirteen but, years a Yankees fan now. Uh, maybe less than that, but yeah, <laughs> probably like ten years. But then not the uh, like heavy fan anymore. Oh yeah. I used to live really close to the Yankee Stadium. That's why. Yeah, oh, I used to go okay. there a lot. Yeah, now I moved to uh, Brooklyn, which is kind of far away. So, um, yeah, but then whenever I'm in Europe, then I always watch a lot of soccer games. Mm. And uh, that's that's more intense that then you can basically have that winner and then loser um, within the 90 minutes, which is uh, so, like a quick... I've never watched a full soccer match, but I feel anytime I watch sports, I always want to watch them like live. Like, I'd much rather be a part of the energy and part of the crowd yeah. uh, than, like, at a television. Yeah. Uh, but soccer just seems, like, very rowdy. Like, especially, like, it European is. soccer seems yeah. so rowdy. Yeah, it is. So sometimes it's too much for me. <laughs> but, you know, if I were to just uh, get out of my room to hang out with my colleagues, that's a great excuse to do. So, uh, There was something else I was thinking when you were, like, Sports. Oh, no, it was the drinks. So, like, are you a wine person? Are you a <laughs> cocktail person? Are you a beer person? I am a very picky beer person and a wine person. Oh, you're a beer person? What's yeah. Your, what's, what's your go-to, like, flight? If you're going to pick a flight of beer, what are, like, uh, your choice? It's a five, it's a five-poor flight. <laughs> um, IPAs? Yeah! Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. excuse me. Let me calm down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. Well, uh, IPA and a stout. That's my two favorite beers. My wife would love you. That's like her. Uh, really? That's girl. amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Her, her name is Kelly. She, um, she is a music teacher with me. Yeah. We met in music school and she teaches like elementary music and yeah. when I met her and when we started going out to like bars when we turned 21, she was like, I hate beer. Beer is so disgusting. And then right. like, uh, when we got into craft beer, she was like, you know, these stouts are pretty great. Yeah. And eventually she started learn, like liking IPAs. So her yeah. go-tos are sours, IPAs, oh, yeah. and, and stouts. But like with stouts, she's yeah. like, if it's not 10% or right. more, I'm not <laughs> drinking it. Yeah, I love sour beer too. And then, yeah, so I, I would love to hang out with her now. Yeah, um, well, well, next time I come to New York, if you're for, well, <laughs> actually, I'm, I have a show upcoming, but, like, uh, there's a beer, brewery right across from Culture Lab. That's the only brewery I've been to uh-huh. in New York, but, like, it Which was one is that? I don't remember. It's literally right across the street from Culture Lab, Long Island City. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm hoping to go back there when uh, I have a show there in, in May. Okay. But, like, yeah, um, they're... Yeah. Yeah, there are two breweries in Brooklyn that I, I would recommend. Oh, what are they? And then um, those are my, actually one, I mean, like those are in my best of three breweries and then beers in the world. So one is called Other Half. Other Half. Okay, yeah, I've yeah. heard of them. Yeah, and then the other is called the Three Breweries. Oh, I don't and know. And then there is one IPA named Logical Conclusion from Three, and that's one of the best beers I've ever had. And then also, yeah, there's some more breweries that I actually, you know, ask my friends to drive up to Vermont to go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's actually, how far of a drive is that? I'm not, I don't, I've never been to New England, so I don't know. Five hours. Oh my God. Okay. Well, damn, that must be some good beer. Yeah, it's called Alchemist. And then we uh, made two trips since uh, three years ago and then, yeah, get the beers from there because we love we love that company so much. Yeah, so that's kind of how picky I am. 
You're about a five beers. hour drive person. Yeah. I mean, well, for wine, I am open to anything, but beer, I really have to be picky. Oh man. Well, there's a, uh, the only thing to do where I live, I live on the Eastern shore of Maryland uh-huh. and uh, near the, near ocean city, Maryland. And really outside of the summer months, the only thing to do is to go to breweries. So there's mm. like lots of craft breweries where I live. And that's nice. why, how I got into craft beer. Like I liked it when I was in grad school before I moved down here, but I didn't love it. Like how I do right. now. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I feel you, but I also don't have to drive six hours to get to my preferred <laughs> IPA, it's like down the road. <laughs> yeah, it went crazy, but I really, really like that company. But anyways, yeah, so like Japan is just a lager country, which is not my favorite. No, they don't have like... Well, they're, they're getting to, you know, craft beer world a little by little, but I basically discovered all those craft beers in the U.S., and then I think it's amazing here. So oh, I really yeah. enjoy, yeah, beers in the U.S., and uh, in Japan, it's basically whiskey. Um, oh. In Europe, it's basically wine. That's my kind of to-go drink in, uh, in each country. <laughs> I'm not so I've not I've not been to a single like I haven't been to well I haven't been anywhere outside of the Americas. So I've not experienced like the drinking habits outside or the eating habits outside of uh, mm-hmm. the Americas. So it'd be really interesting to go over and see what, like, Hey, what would you eat? Like to someone yeah. who's there and like, this is what we eat for dinner. And this is what you have with it to mm-hmm. be like, Hmm, could I live here? You know? Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's really fun to, to match up with the, what you eat and what you drink, depending on the country you go. Yeah. So the next time I'm in Europe, the, the, hopefully the next time I'm in Europe, uh, I'll uh, think of you and I'll be like, huh, what would Miho drink? Yeah. Yeah. Wine okay. in Europe countries. That's amazing. Wine. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I'm a dry wine person. I'm oh, not okay. a sweet wine person. Well, I know but that. then like, you know, beer is of course really huge in European countries. Yeah. True. Well. Yeah. 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 Well, when you said Japan was more of a whiskey place, I was like, I, I can get down with that. I love yeah. whiskey. So. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, those whiskeys are amazing. Oh, well, I'll go to a Japanese distillery anytime. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, there are probably people who want to do what you do, like uh, aspiring composers or aspiring arrangers and conductors and band leaders and X, Y, Z. What would you, what piece of advice would you give to someone who's like 18 and looking to get their start in learning about what you do and, uh, like that career path trajectory? Um, be a nice person <laughs> <laughs> and be an open person as well. And um, also produce yourself really well. I think, you know, uh, watch yourself or like a, how to say, um, observe or like um, n- know yourself, like what you want to do, what you can do, what strengths you you could have, what the uh, path you want to go with, what kind of people you want to get around with, you know, those kind of things. What you want to do, what you want to be, and what's your goals. And, uh, you know, having those goals and then knowing you is the closest way to reach to what you want to be to me. So, um you know, uh, when I was in the, uh, like, uh, you know, for example, when I was in the um, um, MSM, everyone was writing for big band because that's what the uh, jazz composers do. But that was not something that uh, my brain sounded naturally works. So I thought, okay, if I were to produce myself, I'm not going to write a music for big band because that's not my natural sound yeah. from my brain. Why don't I try more like a chamber setting rather than the big band? So I kept writing, even like in a school, I kept writing for chamber setting or like even harp um, or string quartet. And my graduate recital was actually the same instrumentation as M unit now. Yeah. So, you know, knowing what you want to do or like what your strength can be is something that uh, you might want to work on at the younger age. Of course, it can be different later on. You can mm-hmm. change that. But like, you know, having that vision helps you to go for that way. Yeah. So like, 
knowing yourself and knowing what fits best with you. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I wish someone would have told me that because I I kind of went I I learned that a little bit later because mm-hmm. I switched degree paths. I was originally like uh, music ed. Well, I still got that degree. I was music ed with a voice uh, right. major, so like mm-hmm. I was singing opera. And like for me, inside my mind, that wasn't what when I think of music, mm-hmm. that wasn't like my default setting. The 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 late romantic uh, operatic music was right. not necessarily like my go to. I love it and I appreciate it, and it was yeah. really really interesting to learn about but yeah. uh, it wasn't until like my junior and senior year where it was like man this more commercial uh style of music and these yeah. this instrumentation or these artists are the people I really really love and I wish I would have known about them sooner so I knew right. that, that was an option yeah yeah well you know my 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 dream at 18 years old was also very different from mm-hmm. what I do now which was like a, to be a film composer like a commercial jingle maker, something oh, like yeah. that, which is much more like a commercial composer. Mm-hmm. But that's what I wanted to do back in Japan. So I went to the uh, college to study for those like a more uh, film composing or like a TV show composing, something like that, which I enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, it's just different now. So it's totally okay to change that. But you know, you do, you should have, um, like, uh, you know, what to know what you can do, what you yeah. could possibly achieve or like, you know, that should connect to what you want to do. So, yeah. And I feel like without exploring, uh, especially at a young age, all the things that are out there, mm-hmm. if you really pigeonhole yourself, then you, there's no way to know what other options there are. Cause you right. might really do enjoy what you do, whether it's film composing or operatic singing. You might actually enjoy what you're doing, but there could be something that you enjoy even more that you don't even know about. Right, right, exactly. That's that's actually really, yeah, good point. Um, Yeah, and then don't be afraid of the, uh, you know, mistakes. Mm -hmm. You'd be just brave and then take a chance. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you took a chance uh, and <laughs> came over to the MSM to the Manhattan School of Music because now we get to experience all of your wonderful music and all the projects that you're um, working on. Uh, I know you released uh, "Dancer Nowhere" in fall of 2021, right? With the Dancer that... Nowhere, actually, with the imaginary. No, that, oh, sorry, uh, imaginary no, yeah. visions. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Dancer yeah. Nowhere is M unit. Yeah. yeah. So imaginary visions was on Edition Records in 2021. Do you have mm-hmm. anything new that you're working on uh, that you want the listeners to know about? Sure. Um, this actually marks the 10th anniversary since my this year marks the uh, 10th anniversary of my uh, debut, and uh, so we also released uh, um, the first album of M unit 10 years ago. So this is kind of the anniversary year for M Unit as well as myself. And then now we are making a new album together again. So uh, we are planning to release that in late September from Edition Records. And uh, we are trying to make a U.S. tour in the late fall this year, too. So I'm very excited about that. I'm excited, too. She told me about this right before the recording, and I was like, I need to make sure that whenever those dates come out, I am somewhere. Even if it <laughs> takes a five-hour drive, like it's that one brewing company. Yay, uh, to I'm get... worth that's the, um, that brewery. Well, I mean, like, well, I have driven five hours for people's performances. That's not that's not a big deal. <laughs> that's the fact that you live in Maryland. You know, that's not the uh, New Yorkers of the thing. No, yeah, so, like, uh, people will have shows, but, like, it'll be, like, one time only. I'm like, well, got to do the five-hour thing, like, and it's okay. Uh, it's so worth cool. it. There's there's a lot of great jazz in like Baltimore, which is only two hours away from my, where I live. Yeah, uh, and I can make it to those things uh, sometimes. Yeah. But like sometimes it's really worth it to to take that drive. That's really cool. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping I can make one of those dates, and uh, I will keep uh, uh, updated on that upcoming project uh, in September. Um, is there anything that you want the listeners to? Um, Oh, sorry. Is there any way you want the listeners to find you online, Instagram, website? Sure. I have a, you know, a website, mihohazama.com. <laughs> and uh, I have a Facebook page, Instagram. Uh, what else? Like a Twitter also, if you want to access. So, yeah, keep in touch with them. 
Yeah, I'll link all of those in the show notes that are on the Hidden Cinema Records uh, website. Um, but Miho, it's been really great talking to you. We only yeah. got we got to meet uh, like earlier the, last year uh, right. for the first time, and that was just like very like we got to do the thing. We're here for mm-hmm. rehearsal, and then now we're, go- we're gone. So it's nice to get this like hour with you to learn more about you and what you're like, what you, how you tick. So it's like, uh, yeah, thanks for being yeah, on the podcast. It was so much fun. And the next time with your wife. Yeah, so I, I'll I'll text you when I'm, I'm coming to New York soon. So I'll text you to see if yeah, you're there. You if not, it's that. cool. But like, yeah, I'll text you. Yeah, we'll that's, go get that's a, great. A, a pint. All right. Well, Miho, thank you, and extra musical listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, you'll hear more about the show when we sign off. But for now, stay musical and stay well, y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extra Musical. Extra Musical is a Hidden Cinema Records production. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts and look out for future episodes. Bye for now.